There's more to come. <laughs> well, we're doing our series, Dining with Jesus, and we are combining the meal with the, with the service and with the teaching. And our thanks again to the Ladies Fellowship, who've uh, prepared all this. There's more to come, even, even better, I would say. And so this leads us into uh, the wedding feast at Cana, which is a wonderful story. And I'm going to read from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. <clears throat> Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then Jesus told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Well, may the Lord bless his word to your hearts and minds this morning. Well, uh, last week we did for Ash Wednesday dinner with a tax collector, and we're on kind of the other end of the spectrum in some ways, even though it's a party, and Jesus is at this wedding. And uh, this is, in the Gospel of John, this is the only place where it appears. This is one of the seven signs of John. If you recall, we did a series some time ago, and each of the signs in the Gospel of John is not just a sign as a miracle, it also has a message to each of us, and so it's a teaching moment and helps us to draw closer to Christ and deeper in our faith. And so as we look at this this morning, how many people like weddings? Yeah. How many people like the food at weddings? Yeah. And the cake and all that, the dancing and the music. I think all of us uh, like weddings. And I think there's four truths, at least four truths, in this short passage that are really helpful for our own lives as we think about that. And then we're going to have a little bit of something afterwards. But the first thing is to invite Jesus. <laughs> invite Jesus. And when we think about Jesus in our lives, sometimes sometimes we wait for a crisis or a tragedy to go to the Lord in prayer. Do you know what I'm talking about? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, there's a place in life for that. But I have to commend this couple because they invited Jesus to their wedding. And I think for all of us to learn to invite Jesus into the joys and celebrations as well as the tragedies and the heartaches of life. And thereby just immerse, if you will, baptize our whole life into, into Christ. Because Jesus wants to share our joys as well as our, our sorrows and all that. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful moment, too, that when you think about this, this couple is coming to Jesus at the beginning of their marriage ceremony. And uh, many times this is this is red. I always mention it in a wedding ceremony because I think it's so beautiful to start out your wedding, your marriage life with a, with a blessing. And so where do you need to invite Jesus into your life? The joys as well as the sorrows, the celebrations as well as the, as the tragedies. Where can you invite Jesus this season of life and all of our, our lives? And then I love this moment. Jesus is there 
I don't know if he's having a glass of wine or what was left of it or some hors d'oeuvres as we've enjoyed this evening. And Jesus' mother, Mary, notices that they have some problems, you know. You ever see when something's going on in the back, you know, it looks pretty urgent. And Mary is the kind of woman who swoops in there and asks what's going on, finds out that the wedding wine is gone. Now, you have to remember, in this culture at this time, to run out of wine was even worse than running out of food. It was a symbol that you didn't have enough, and it was really kind of a shame for the, for the family. And so we don't know whether they invited more guests came than they thought would come, or they drank more wine than they thought they would drink, right? That does sometimes happen at a wedding. But they ran out of wine, and Jesus, rather, uh, Jesus' mother Mary goes to Jesus, and she tells Jesus that they've run out of wine. And don't you like what Jesus says? It's like this little moment where it's like, wow, was that Jesus? And Jesus says, woman, what's that to me? You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm busy with little hot dogs, you know, they're so good back there. And uh, <laughs> Mary, you know, sometimes you think of Mary as timid and even passive. We always think of her prayerful. Look at what Mary does. She doesn't pay any mind to that. She tells us, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Don't you like, that's a pretty assertive moment for Mary, isn't it? Yeah, she is like, okay, okay, Jesus, I'm still your mom, right? Have you heard that before? Do whatever he tells you to do to the, to the servants. And of course, they uh, do what Jesus tells them. We'll look at that in a second. But I, I just wonder for you in your life, where do you need to say to yourself, do what Jesus tells you to do? Do you know what I'm saying? Don't wait for the train wrecks of life and all those kinds of things, where do you need to say, do what Jesus tells you to do? Wouldn't our lives be so much sweeter and better if we did what Jesus tells us in his word? And so Jesus tells these stewards, basically these servants, um, to, to take these water, these giant, uh, they're 20 to 30 gallon vases, uh, are huge. So they would sit about this tall. We saw some when we were in the Holy Land. They're just huge. And they're filled with water. And uh, we don't know if Jesus did a blessing. I think Jesus did a blessing, but Jesus is blessing everything that he's around. And he tells the servants to take a glass out of there and to take it to the master of ceremonies, who was also the wine steward, right? And they take this glass of water. You want to have, wonder what they were thinking at this moment, right? And they give it to the wine steward, and the wine steward sips it and says, it's the best wine of the, of the ceremony, right? And this beautiful moment. And I think that's the next truth here, which is that Jesus wants to tour, turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. Jesus wants to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. This is a moment of celebration and beauty. C.S. Lewis said, one of my favorite authors said, 2,000 years ago, Jesus turned the water into wine, and for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been trying to turn the wine into water. <laughs> well, he didn't just mean that about drinking, what he meant that about is sometimes as Christians, we're a little too somber when we don't need to be. We need to be a little bit more bubbly sometimes. After all, God has come into our life to bless our lives. God's there for the joys as well as the, the moments of happiness in life. And so God is there. There's a lot to be bright and hopeful and happy about. And so the ordinary into the extraordinary through the blessing of Jesus. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher, tells a story that I love. And he tells the story of this priest who lived out in a rural parish. And it was a small church, didn't have a lot of resources. And the priest noticed that the altar cloth on the altar was getting kind of shabby and worn with age. 
And so he decided what he was going to do, since they didn't have money for the church to go and buy something like that, was to go up to one of the seamstress in the church. We have some great ones here, and ask them her to crochet an altar for the uh, a cloth for the altar. And so he goes up to her and he says, "Would you please crochet an altar cloth for the altar?" And she said, "Oh, Father, I could never do that. I'm a good, I'm a good crocheter, a good seamstress, but I could never do anything for the Lord's table." And so he let that go, and then a week later, asked her again on Sunday, another week, he asked her again, and, and finally he said, listen, we have nothing else to do but to have you to do that. And she said, I don't think I'm going to do what he said. Why don't you do your best and see what happens? And so for the next several weeks, the priest would ask her if the altar cloth was done. She always said, no, no, Father, it's not done. And, uh, and after a while, the, the priest got a little suspicious, he said, you know, I think, I think you have it done. I'll tell you what. Uh, tomorrow, when no one else is here, why don't you bring in the altar cloth and you and I together will put it on the altar. And so she agreed to do that. So this next day, this elderly woman comes in to the parish and her and the priest went up and to carefully lay the altar cloth that she had crocheted on the altar. And she took a step back a little bit and she said, my father, it's so, more, so much more beautiful than I ever imagined. And the priest said, you see, that's always the way it is when we give God our best. When God blesses it, it's so much more than we had imagined. If we do our best, then God will always do the rest. God can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. What gifts and talents do you have uh, that you could offer to God, that God could bless and make extraordinary, that you could use for the service of God and the service of others that would be a joy in your life? You just discover that. So inviting Jesus into our life, and then, of course, making the ordinary extraordinary. And, uh, and, and to do what Jesus says, and finally, the last can be the best. I often overlook this little thing that the wine steward said. It's just sort of a, you know, a slight in some ways, or, you know, highlighting the miracle. But, of course, the wine steward said to the bridegroom, he said, now listen, everybody else puts the best one out first, and then when everybody gets a little tipsy or even drunk, they bring that stuff up that doesn't matter because people won't notice the difference then, right? You know? He said, but you've saved the best for last. I think that's not just a throwaway line. I think for a lot of us, you know, the rest of life can be the best of our life. Some of us have been through some painful chapters in life, whether it's a broken relationship or the loss of loved ones, and we need to hear the whisper of the wine steward that the last can be the best. The last can be the best. Now, in our society, what do we think as people get older? Well, it can't be that way, right? But the last can be the best in our life. If we ask God to bless it and we allow God to use us in different kinds of ways. So where in your life, where you may think it's a season of hurt and pain and brokenness, maybe even think of failures and shortcomings, if we come before the Lord and ask for his blessing and we're faithful to do what God can do, God can bless that and make the rest of our life the best of our life if we just surrender to him. So in our lives, where do you need to invite Jesus? Not just into the tragedies, but into the, the joys of life. And where do you need to do what Jesus says? It may sound strange and odd and unexplainable, but it wouldn't be faith if it was easily explained. 
But that invites us into a moment where Jesus can take the ordinary moments of life and make them extraordinary if we just allow God to do that. And then finally to think about sometimes the pain and struggle we've gone through in life. But with God's blessing, the rest of life can be the best of the life. I'm going to close with this thought before we go to some food for thought and reflection questions and little other things that we have. And, and that is this, that Mary is, only appears twice in the Gospel of John. The first time Mary appears is in this moment, right here, in the wedding feast at Canaan. Remember where the other time was? In the Gospel of John, it's the foot of the cross. It's the foot of the cross. And it's interesting because... Jesus could have, in that moment, in this wedding, told his mother, I don't want to get involved. But basically, what did he do? He got involved. He got involved. And he turned the water into wine. He made the ordinary extraordinary. And the next moment, when John pictures Mary, she's at the foot of the cross. And there's where Jesus got involved, too, in the biggest way of all taking the tragedy of the cross and making it into the triumph of the resurrection through the blessing of Almighty God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I think John is whispering to us in this moment that all that will occur from this moment clear to the cross and the resurrection Easter morning is just like that, turning the water into wine, taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary, through the love and the life of God poured into our lives, our lives can be transformed in ways that we can only imagine. So with that, I'd like to close with some questions, some food for thought. So Savannah's gonna hand these out. And would you like to help too, Charlotte, on the other side? And I'll just go through and you can take these home, but here's some food for thought questions. Food for thought, like it. Where in your life would you like to invite Jesus? And you can fill these out later sometime. Put them on your, in your Bible or someplace where you have devotions or quiet time. Where do you need to do what Jesus says? Where in your life do you need Jesus' blessing of abundance? Where in your life do you need Jesus to make the ordinary into the extraordinary? And where in your life do you need Jesus to share joy as well as heartache? Where in your life... Have you already experienced Jesus' blessing of abundance? And where do you need to open more? And finally, where in your life have you already experienced making the ordinary into the extraordinary? And what new chapter can you open for God's blessing? We're going to say a prayer, and then I think the reporters are coming in just a second. Lord, we thank you for your word. It touches our life and makes the ordinary extraordinary. It reaches our hearts, it heals our wounds, it lifts our spirits, and it enlightens our minds in new ways and faith. So we pray for all these things in Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.